Forgotten Classics, where a good story never goes out of style. Hello, everyone. I'm Julie, and here we have episode 262 of Forgotten Classics, where Leonard is shut behind a stone door, Juana is facing Soa and Nam, and Otter, well, Otter is on a journey that we cannot even see right now. First, though, let's have the podcast highlight. This is not exactly a new podcast, and actually, it is at iTunes U. It is from Signum University, and that is the Mythgard Institute's free class that they offer quite often from Corey Olson. Now, anybody who's been listening to this very long knows I'm a huge fan of Corey Olson's, beginning with the Tolkien Professor. And then I also got his book about The Hobbit, and I believe I've told you about his Signum University classes on Tolkien's books, starting with The Lord of the Rings, and I haven't actually listened to the ones that moved on to the books I haven't read yet, but he's done more of those too. I cannot remember if I mentioned to you that they then went on and went through Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. That's not a book I've ever cottoned to, so I didn't listen to it, but I was intensely curious. And so now I'm very happy that I happened to remember to go look and see if they were doing any new classes. And the latest free class, of which there are three episodes up at the point I'm telling you, is Dune by Frank Herbert. I love that book so much, and in fact, I know it so well that I don't think I need to reread it, but now I'm wondering if maybe I should give myself the full experience and see what the Audible book is like. I'm just assuming there's an audiobook of it. Gosh, it's so famous. There might not be. Anyway, if there's an audiobook, I may listen to that along with the lessons because I just love that book so much, as I said already just a couple seconds ago. So... There's some good listening if you're interested in either of those two books. Or if you have not tried the Signum University Tolkien books, as I say, this is all available at iTunes U, and I will put a link in the show notes. And I urge you to try it. It just enhances your understanding of how great these authors are and how much is packed into these books. He doesn't spend any time adding things in. He just looks for what the text reveals and indeed, one of the things I liked about the Tolkien books that he covered was that he would really resist reading in things from J.R.R. Tolkien's own life and experiences as much as possible into the story. People would bring things up like, well, he was in World War I and this and that. And he'd say, yeah, and you could see a little of that reflected here, but let's just look at what the story's telling us. And to me, that's really the best way to read a book. So... That gives you a lot to listen to if you're interested. Now, back to the people of the mist. Oh my goodness. Juana has got her work cut out for her. She is facing two evil slash possibly crazy. Okay, let's make it probably crazy and so was Case anyway. Who knows what's going on with Leonard behind that door? Who knows what they're going to do to her? Oh man. And then we have Otter who killed the crocodile, a.k.a. the snake, and is on his way, we don't know where, seeing where the water came from. So, more adventure. Ah, so much fun. Let's dive in, and I'll meet you on the other side. The People of the Mist by H. Ryder Haggard Chapter 34, Nam's Last Argument For a moment, Juana stood stupefied, for the maneuver had been so sudden that at first she could scarcely realize its results. Now, shepherdess, began Nam blandly, we can talk in private, for I have words to say to you which it is not fitting that other ears should hear. You fiend! she answered fiercely. Then, comprehending that violence or remonstrance would be useless, she added, Speak on, I hear you. 
Listen, shepherdess, and for your own sake I implore you do not give way to grief or rage. I swear to you that no harm shall come to yonder man if you will but do my bidding. Shepherdess, you are found out. I know and the people know that you are no goddess. It had been safer to sacrifice you today, but partly because of the pleading of my daughter who loves you, and partly for other reasons I have caused you to be saved alive. Now, shepherdess, from this country there is no escape. As you have chosen to come hither, here you must remain for life, and in this cell you cannot live and die. Therefore, for my daughter's sake, I have cast about for a means to deliver you from bonds, and to set you high in the land, ay, almost at its head. And he paused. Perhaps you will come to the point, said Juana, who was trembling with fear and anger. It is this shepherdess, Nam answered, bowing. Although you are dethroned as a goddess, you may still shine as a queen, and rule over us as the wife of our king. Indeed, replied Juana, turning suddenly cold. And how shall I, who am held to be dead, appear again as a woman wedded to your king? Surely the people would find that strange, Nam? No, shepherdess, for I have prepared a tale which shall explain the wonder. And already its rumor runs from mouth to mouth. It will be said that you were a goddess and therefore immortal, but that for the sake of love you have put off your godhead and put on the flesh, that you might dwell for some years with him whom you desire. Indeed, said Juana again. And what if I refuse to consent to this scheme, which, as I think, can have come only from a woman's brain? and she pointed to Soa. "'You are right, shepherdess,' answered Soa. "'The plan is mine. I made it to save you, and also,' she added coolly, "'to be revenged upon that white thief who loves you, for he shall live to see you the wife of another man, a wild man.' "'And have you never thought, Soa, that I may have wishes of my own in this matter?' Doubtless, yet the fairest woman cannot always have what they may chance to wish. Know, shepherdess, that this must be both for your own sake and for the sake of Nam, my father. Ulfan loves you, and in these troubled times it is necessary that Nam and the priests should gain his support, which has been bought but now by the promise that you will be given to him in marriage on this very day. For you, shepherdess, although you might have wished to wed one of your own race, at the least you will rule a queen, and that is better than to perish miserably. I think otherwise, Soa, Juana answered calmly, for she saw that neither passion nor pleading would help her, and of the two I choose to die. And she put her hand to her hair, then started for she found the poison gone. "'You will choose to die, shepherdess,' said Soa with a cold smile. "'But this is not always so easy. I have taken your medicine from you while you slept, and here there are no other means to encompass death.' "'I can starve, Soa,' replied Juana with dignity. That takes some time, shepherdess, and today you will become the wife of Ulfan. Still it is needful that you should yourself consent to marry him, for this chief is so foolish that he declares that he will not wed you, till you have accepted him with your own mouth and in the presence of witnesses. Then I fear that the wedding will not be celebrated, said Juana with a bitter laugh for she could not refrain from giving some outward expression to all the loathing which she felt for this wicked woman who in her fierce love would save the life of her mistress by selling her to shame. "'I think that it will, shepherdess,' answered Soa, 
for it seems that we have a way by which we can win you to speak those words which Ulfan desires to hear. There is no way, Soa. What? None, Shepherdess. Think now, he whom you name Deliverer is a prisoner beyond that door. What if his life hangs upon your choice? What if he were shown to you about to die a fearful death from which you alone could save him by speaking a certain word? Now for the first time Juana fully understood the hideous nature of the plot whereby Soa purposed either to force her to become the wife of a savage or to thrust upon her the guilt of causing the death of the man whom she loved. And she sank back upon the couch, saying, You would have done better to leave me yonder in the slave camp, Soa. Then, abandoning the tone of forced calm in which she had spoken hitherto, Soa broke out bitterly. When you were in the slave camp, shepherdess, you loved me who have loved you from a child. For then no white dog had come to sow mischief between us and to make you hate and distrust me. Then I would have died for you, I, and this I would do now. But also, I would be revenged upon the white dog, for I, who am husbandless and childless, had but this one thing, and he has taken it from me. You were to me as mother and lover and babe are to other women, my all, and now I am left desolate, and I will be revenged upon him before I die. But I still love you, shepherdess. And could any other plan have been found to help you, I could not have forced this marriage upon you. No such plan can be found. Thus alone can you live and become great and happy, and thus alone can I continue to feast my eyes upon you, though it be from far. She ceased, trembling with the strength of the passions that shook her, to which indeed her words had given but feeble expression. "'Go,' said Juana. "'I would have time to think.' "'Then Nam spoke again. "'We go, shepherdess, in obedience to your wish, "'but before evening we shall return to hear your answer. "'Do not attempt to work mischief upon yourself, "'for know that you will be watched, "'though you cannot see the eyes that watch you. "'If you do but so much as lift a hand against your life, or even strive to cut off the light that flows through yonder hole. Then at once you will be seized and bound, and my daughter will be set to guard you. Shepherdess, farewell. And they went, leaving Juana alone and a prey to such thoughts as can scarcely be written. For several hours she sat there upon the couch, allowing no hint of what she felt to appear upon her face, for she was too proud to suffer the eyes which she knew were spying on her, though whence she could not tell, to read her secret anguish. As she sat thus in her desolation, several things grew clear to Juana, and the first of them was that Soa must be mad. The love and hate that seethed in her fierce heart had tainted her brain, making her more relentless than a leopard robbed of its young. From the beginning she had detested Leonard and been jealous of him, and incautiously enough he had always shown his dislike and distrust of her. By slow degrees these feelings had hardened into insanity, and to gratify the vile promptings of her disordered mind she would hesitate at nothing. From Soa, therefore, she could hope for no relenting. Nor had she better prospect with Nam, for it was evident that in his case political considerations operated as strongly as did those of a personal character with his daughter. He was as much involved. He had committed himself so deeply in this matter of the false gods that, rightly or wrongly, he conceived Soa's plan to offer the only feasible chance of escape from the religious complications by which he was surrounded that threatened to bring his life and power to a simultaneous end. It was out of the question, therefore, to expect help from the high priest, who was in the position of a man on a runaway horse, with precipices on either side of him, unless, indeed, she could show him some safer path. 
Failing this, it would avail her nothing that he hated and feared Olfon, and only promoted this marriage in order to bribe the king into standing his friend during the expected political convulsions. Indeed, as she guessed rightly, Nam would much better like to know her safely over the borders of the Mistland than to be called upon to greet her as its queen. This was obvious, seeing that should she return to power, religious or temporal, it was scarcely to be hoped that she would forget the wrongs which she had suffered at his hands. The marriage was merely a temporary expedient designed to ward off immediate evil, but should it come about and the crisis be tidied over, it was plain that the struggle between the false goddess and the perjured priest must be carried on until it ended in the death of one or both of them. However, all these things lay in the future as Nam foretold it, a future which Juana never meant to live to see. There remained Leonard and Ulfan. The former, of course, was powerless, at least for the present, having suffered himself to be entrapped, though his lack of caution mattered little, for doubtless if guile had failed, force would have been employed. It was she who must save Leonard, for he could do nothing to save her. The more Juana thought of the matter, the more she became convinced that her only hope lay in Ulfan himself, who had sworn friendship to her, and who certainly was no traitor. She remembered that in their conversation of the day before, he had admitted that she could be nothing to him while Leonard lived. Probably Nam had told her that the Deliverer was dead, and then it was, actuated by his passion which she knew to be genuine enough, that he had entered into a bargain with the priest. These must be the terms of the compact, that the game of the false gods being played, Ulfan undertook to support Nam and the rest of his party, to the best of his power, for the consideration to be received of her hand in marriage, stipulating, however, that she should give it of her own free will. This, of course, she could never do. Therefore, Ulfan's proviso gave her a loophole of escape, though Juana was well aware that it would not be wise to rely too implicitly on the generosity of the savage chief in matters upon which savages are apt to be neither generous nor delicate. On this she must fall back as a last resource, or rather as a last resource but one. Meanwhile she would fight Nam and Soa step by step, yielding only when she saw that further obstinacy on her part would involve Leonard's destruction. It was possible, indeed it was probable, that everything might fail her, and in that event she must not fail herself. In other words, although the poison had been taken from her, she must find a means of death. Having thought these problems out so far as it was in her power to do, Juana rose and began to walk up and down the cell, noting its construction and peculiarities. Doubtless Leonard was beyond yonder door, but it was so thick that she could hear nothing of his movements. For the rest, it seemed clear that escape was impossible. Excepting the doors, the shaft in the rock was the only other opening that she was able to see. But through this no child could pass, and if he might, it would be to fall into the pool of raging water. Had Otter lived through the fight with the snake god, she wondered. There was small chance of it, but at least he had made an end worthy of his reputation and she felt proud of him. And the other, Francisco. Of him also she was proud indeed. But for herself she was ashamed, for she knew that she had been to blame, though not designedly. Who would have guessed that this frail, timid man could prove himself such a hero, or who could estimate the power of the unsought and unhappy love which enabled him to conquer the fear of death? She had been wrong to be angry with Leonard, for she knew well that if it could have been so, he would gladly have given his own life for hers. Alas, it seemed that she was always wrong, for her temper was quick and the tongue is an unruly member. They had both of them been ready to die for her, and one of them had done so. Well... Now it was probable that the tables would be turned before many hours were over, and that she would be called upon to offer herself to save her lover. If this came about, she would not forget the example of Francisco, but would rather try to equal it in the heroism of her end. The day passed slowly, 
and at length the gloom gathering in the little cell told her that night was near. Before it fell, however, Soa and Nam entered, bearing candles which they fixed upon brackets in the walls. "'We come, shepherdess, to hear your answer,' said Nam. "'Will you consent to take Ulfan for a husband, or will you not?' "'I will not consent.' "'Think again, shepherdess. "'I have thought you have my answer.' "'At the words, Nam seized her arm, saying, "'Come hither, shepherdess. "'I would show you something.' "'And he led her to that door, "'in passing which Leonard had been entrapped. "'At the same time, Soa extinguished one of the candles, "'and taking the other in her hand, she left the cell,' "'bolting the door behind her so that Nam and Juana stood in darkness. "'Shepherdess,' said Nam sternly, "'you are about to see him whom you name the Deliverer. "'Now remember this. "'If you cry out or speak above a whisper, he dies.' "'Juana made no answer, "'although she felt her heart grow faint within her.' Five minutes or more passed, and of a sudden a panel slid back in the upper part of the door which connected the two cells, so that Juana could see through it, although those who stood on the further side could not see her, for they were in light and she was in darkness. And this was what she saw. Ranged against the wall of the second prison, and opposite to her were three priests holding candles in their hands, whereof the light shone upon their sullen, cruel faces and the snake's head tattooed on their naked breasts. In front of these men stood two other priests, and between them was Leonard, bound and gagged. On the hither side of the cell, and not more than two feet from the open panel, stood Soa, on whom the eyes of the executioners were fixed as though awaiting a command. Between Soa and these men yawned an open hole in the rock floor, when Juana had gazed upon this scene for some twenty seconds, the sliding panel was closed, apparently by Soa, and Nam spoke. "'You have seen, shepherdess,' he said, "'that the deliverer is bound, and you have also seen that before him is a hole in the floor of the prison. He who falls down that hole, shepherdess, finds himself in the den of the snake beneath.' from the visiting of whom no man has ever returned alive, for it is through it that we feed the water-dweller at certain seasons of the year, and when there is no sacrifice. Now, shepherdess, you must choose between two things, either to wed Olfan of your own free will this night, or to see the deliverer thrown to the snake before your eyes, and afterward to wed Ulfan whether you will it or not. What do you say, shepherdess? Juana took counsel with herself and came to the conclusion that she would resist a little longer, for she thought that this scene might have been planned merely to try her fortitude. I refuse to marry Ulfan, she answered. Then Nam opened the panel and whispered a word into the ear of Soa, who uttered a command. Instantly the two executioner priests flung Leonard onto his back upon the ground, an easy task seeing that his legs were fastened with ropes, and dragged him forward until his head hung over the oubliette-like hole. Then they paused as though waiting for some further order. Nam drew Juana some few paces away from the door. "'What is your word now, shepherdess?' he said. "'Is the man to die or to be saved? Speak swiftly.' Juana glanced through the opening and saw that now Leonard's head and shoulders had vanished down the oubliette, while one of the priests held him by the ankles, watching Soa for the sign to let him fall. "'Loose him,' said Juana faintly. "'I will marry Olfan.' Stepping forward, Nam whispered to Soa, who issued another order. 
Thereupon the priests drew Leonard from his perilous position, and unwillingly enough rolled him to the side of the cell, for they would have preferred to be rid of him. At that moment also the shutter was closed. "'I said loose him,' repeated Juana. "'Now the man lies unable to move like a fallen tree on the ground.' "'No, shepherdess,' replied Nam. "'Perchance you may yet change your mind, "'and then it would be troublesome to bind him afresh, "'for he is very strong and violent. "'Listen, shepherdess, "'when Olvan comes presently to ask your hand, "'you must say nothing of the man yonder, "'for he deems him to be dead,' and the moment you speak of him, he will be dead. Do you understand? I understand, answered Juana, but at least the gag might be taken from his mouth. Fear not, shepherdess, it shall be done. When you have spoken with Ovan, and now at what hour will it be your pleasure to see him? When you will. The sooner it is finished, the better. Good. My daughter, he added to Soa, who just then entered the cell. Be pleased to make fire, and then summon the king Ulfan who waits without. Soa departed upon her errand, and overcome with terror which she would not show, Juana sank upon the couch, hiding her face in her hands. For a while there was silence. Then the door opened again, and heralded by Soa, Olfan the king stood before her. "'Be careful, shepherdess,' whispered Nam as they entered. "'One word, and the deliverer dies.'" Chapter 35 Be Noble or Be Base For a while there was silence. Then Juana looked up searching Olfan's face with her eyes. Nothing was to be read there, for it was impossible to pierce the mask of solemn calm beneath which, in common with all his race, the king was accustomed to hide his thoughts. He leant on the shaft of his broad spear, his head bowed slightly as though in humility, his dark eyes fixed upon her face, immovable, impassive, a picture of savage dignity. Indeed, Juana was fain to confess to herself that she had never seen a grander specimen of the natural man than that presented by the chief of the people of the mist as he stood before her in her rock prison. The light of candles fell upon him, revealing his great girth and stature, beside which those of the finest men of her own race would have seemed insignificant. It shone upon ivory torques, emblems of royalty which were about his neck, wrists, and ankles, upon the glossy garments of black goatskin that hung from his shoulders and middle, and the raven tresses of his hair bound back from his forehead by a narrow band of white linen, which showed in striking contrast against the clear olive coloring of his face and breast. "'Speak, Olfan,' said Juana at length. It was told to me, Queen, he answered in a low, full voice, that you had words to say to me. Nevertheless, now, as always, I obey you, Queen. I learn that your husband, he whom you loved, is dead, and believe me, I sorrow for you. In this shameful deed I had no hand, that together with the end of the other white man and the dwarf must be set down to the account of this priest, who swears that he was driven to it by the clamor of the people. Queen, they have all gone across the mountains and through the sky beyond, and you, like some weary dove far traveled from a southern clime, are left a prey among the eagles of the people of the mist. But a few hours since I thought you dead also, for with all the thousands in the temple I believed that it was your fair body which Nam hurled at dawn from the brow of the statue, and I tell you that when I saw it, I who am a warrior wept and cursed myself, because although I was a king, I had no power to save you. Afterwards this man, the high priest, came to me telling me the truth and a plan that he had made for his own ends whereby you might be saved alive and lifted up among the people, 
and he also might be saved, and my rule made sure in the land. And he ceased. What is this plan, Olfan? asked Juana after a pause. Queen, it is that you should wed me, and appear before the people no longer as a goddess, but as a woman who has put on the flesh for her love's sake. I know well that I am all unworthy of such honor, moreover that your heart must be sore with the loss of one who was dear to you, and little set upon the finding of another husband. Also, I remember certain words that passed between us, and a promise which I made. All these things I told to Nam, and he answered me, saying that the matter was urgent, that here you could not be hid away for long, and that if I did not take you to wife, then you must die. Therefore, because my love toward you is great, I said to him, Go now and ask her if she will smile upon me if I come before her with such words. Nam went, but before he went, he made certain agreements with me on matters of policy, under which I must pay a heavy price for you, lady, and forego revenge, and forget many an ancient hate, all of which things I have promised to do should you smile upon me. So great is my love for you. The hours went by, and Nam came back to me, saying that having weighed the matter in your mind, your answer was favorable. To this I replied that I did not trust him, and I would take it from your lips alone. And now, Queen, I am here to listen to your word, and to offer myself to you, to serve you all my life as your husband and your slave. I have little to give you who have been bred up in sunnier lands, and among a more gentle people. I, who am but the wild chief of men whose hearts are rugged as our mountains, and gloomy as a winter's day that is heavy with snow to come, only myself the service of my soldier spears, and the first place among the children of the mist. Now let me hear your answer, and be it what it may, I will accept it without a murmur, for least of all things do I desire to force myself upon you in marriage. Still, I pray you speak to me plainly once and for all, for if I must lose you I would know the worst nor can I bear, when you have smiled upon me, to see you turn away. Nay, I would sooner die. And once more he bowed his head, leaned upon his spear, and was silent. Juana considered the position rapidly. It was hopeless and cruel. Nam and Soa were on either side of her, the latter standing near the door with the sliding panel beyond which Leonard lay bound, and she knew well that did she speak but a single word of the truth to Olfan, it would be the signal for her lover's death. It was possible that the king might be able to protect her own person from violence, but if Leonard died it mattered little what became of her. There was but one thing that she could do, declare herself willing to become the wife of Olfan, Yet it seemed shameless thus to treat this honorable man, the only friend that they had found among the people of the mist. But of a truth, such necessities as hers cannot wait while those in their toils weigh scruples or the law of honor. Olfan, she said, I have heard you, and this is my answer. I will take you as my husband. You know my story. You know that he who was my lord is but this day dead. Here Soa smiled approvingly at the lie. And that I loved him. Therefore of your gentleness you will accord me some few weeks before I pass from him to you, in which I may mourn my widowhood. I will say no more, but surely you can guess the sorrow of my heart and all that I have left unsaid. It shall be as you wish, queen, replied Olfan, taking her hand and kissing it, while his somber face grew radiant with happiness. You shall pass into my keeping at that time which best pleases you. Yet I fear that in one matter you must be troubled now, this very hour. 
What may that be, Olfan? asked Juana anxiously. Only this, queen, that the rite of marriage as we practice it must be celebrated between us. It is necessary for many reasons which will be made clear to you tomorrow. Moreover, such was my bargain with Nam, sealed by an oath sworn upon the blood of Akka, an oath that I do not dare to break. Oh, no, no, said Juana in acute distress. Think, Olfan, how can I, whose husband is not six hours dead, vow myself to another man upon the altar of his grave? Give me some few days, I pray you. Most willingly would I do this, lady, but I may not. It is against my oath. Also, what can it matter? You shall remain alone for so long as it shall please you. Then Nam spoke for the first time, saying, Shepherdess, waste no breath in words, for learn that though this garment of modesty is becoming to one new widowed, yet you must put it from you. More depends upon this ceremony than you know of. The lives of many hang upon it, our own perchance among them, and specially the life of one whom it does not become me to speak. And as though by accident, Nam let his eyes rest upon the doors of the adjoining cell. Of his auditors, Olvan thought that he was alluding to his own life, but Juana and his daughter knew well that he spoke of that of Leonard, which would be sacrificed did the former persist in her objections to the instant celebration of the marriage. You hear his words, queen, said Olfan, and there is weight in them. The times are very dangerous, and if our plot is to be carried through, before midnight I must make oath to the captains and the council of the elders that you have come back from death to be my wife. Maybe, answered Juana, catching at a straw in her despair. But must I, who shall be set over this people as queen, be married thus in secret? At the least I will have witnesses. Let some of the captains whom you trust, Olfan, be brought here to see us wed. Otherwise the time may come when I shall be held to be no true wife, and there are none to establish my honor by their words. There is little fear of such a thing, queen, answered Olfan with a faint smile. Yet your demands are just. I will bring three of my captains here, men who will not betray us, and they shall be witness to this right. And he turned as though he would go to seek them. Do not leave me, said Juana, catching him by the wrist. I trust you, but these two I do not trust. I fear to be left alone. There is no need for witnesses, exclaimed Nam in a threatening tone. The shepherdess has asked for witnesses, and she shall have them, answered Olfan fiercely. Old man, you have played with me long enough. Hitherto I have been your servant. Now I will be your master. Some hours ago your life was forfeit to me, for the white dawn had turned to red and I meant to take it. But you bribed me with this bait. And he pointed to Juana. Nay, do not lay your hand upon your knife. You forget I have my spear. Your priests are without, I know it. But so are my captains and I have told them where I am. If I vanish, as many vanish here, my life will be required at your hands, for, Nam, your power is broken. Now obey me. Bid that woman summon him who guards without. No, you do not stir. And he lifted the spear till its keen blue point quivered over the high priest's naked breast. Bid her go to the door and summon the guard. I said to the door, but not beyond it, or beware. Nam was cowed. His tool had become his master. Obey, he said to Soa. Obey, but no more, echoed Olfan. Snarling like a wolf, the woman slipped past them to the door, and opening it a little way, she whistled through the crack. Hide yourself, lady, said Olfan. 
Juana retreated into the shadow behind the candle, and at that moment a voice spoke through the open door, saying, I am here, father. Now speak, said Olfan, advancing the spear an inch nearer Nam's heart. My son, said the priest, go to the entrance by which the king entered, where you will find three captains, generals of that king. Lead them hither. And see that you speak to no one on the way, whispered Olfan in Nam's ear. And see that you speak to no one on the way, repeated Nam. I hear you, father, replied the priest, and went. Some ten minutes passed, and the door opened again. The captains are here, whispered a voice. Let them enter, said Nam. The order was obeyed and three great men armed with spears stalked into the narrow chamber. One of them was brother to the king, and the two others were his chosen friends. Then the door closed. My brethren, said Olfan, I have sent for you to acquaint you with a mystery, and to ask you to witness a rite. The goddess Akka, who this day was hurled into the pool of the snake, has returned to earth as a woman and is about to become my wife. Here the captains started. Nay, brethren, ask no questions. These things are so. It is enough. Now, priest, play your part. After that, for a while, all seemed a dream to Juana, a dream of which she was never able to recover any exact memory. She could recollect standing side by side with Olvan while Nam muttered prayers and invocations over them, administering to them terrible oaths, which they took, calling upon the names of Akka and of Jal, and swearing by the symbol of the snake. Beyond that, everything went blank. Indeed, her mind flew back to another marriage ceremony, when she stood beside Leonard in the slave camp and the priest Francisco prayed over them and blessed them. It was that scene which she saw, and not the one enacting before her eyes, and with its visions were mixed up strange impersonal reflections on the irony of fate, which had brought it about that she should figure as chief actor in two such dramas, the first of which Leonard had gone through to save her, and the second of which she must go through to save him. At last it was done, and once more Olfan was bowing before her and kissing her hand. Greeting, shepherdess. Hail, queen of the people of the mist, he said, and the captains repeated his words. Juana awoke from her stupor. What was to be done now, she wondered. What could be done? Everything seemed lost. Then, of a sudden, an inspiration took her. It is true that I am a queen, is it not, Olfan? It is true, lady. And as queen of the people of the mist, I have power, have I not, Olfan? Even to life and death, he answered gravely. Though, if you kill, you must answer to the council of the elders and to me. All in this land are your servants, lady, and none dare to disobey you except on matters of religion. Good said Juana. Then, addressing the captains in a tone of command, she added, Seize that priest who is named Nam, and the woman with him. Olfan looked astonished, and the captains hesitated. As for Nam, he did not hesitate, but made a bound toward the door. Stay a while, Nam, said the king, making a barrier before him with his spear. Doubtless the queen has reasons— and you would wish to hear them. Hold them, my captains, since the queen commands it. Then the three men sprang upon them. Once Nam tried to draw his knife, but failing in his attempt, he submitted without further struggle. With Soa it was different. She bit and tore like a wildcat, and Juana saw that she was striving to reach the panel and to speak through it. On your lives do not suffer her to come to that door she said. Presently you shall know why. Then the brother of the king dragged Soa to the couch, and throwing her down upon it, stood over her, his spear-point at her throat.
Now, queen, said Ulfan, your will is done, and perhaps it may please you to explain. Listen, king, and listen, you captains, she answered. These liars told you that the deliverer was dead, was it not so? He is not dead. He lies bound in yonder cell, but had I spoken a word to you, then he would have died. Ulfan, do you know how my consent was won to be your wife? A shutter within that door was opened, and he, my husband, was shown to me gagged and bound, and being held over the mouth of a hideous pit on the floor of his prison, that leads I know not whither. Consent or he dies, they said, and for my love's sake I consented. This was the plot, Olfan, to marry me to you, partly because the woman yonder who was my nurse did not desire my death, and partly that Nam might use me to save himself from the anger of the people. But do not think that you would have kept me long, Olfan, for this was in the plot also, that when you had served their purpose you should die by a secret means as one who knew too much. It is a lie, said Nam. Silence, answered Juana. Let that door be opened and you shall see if I have lied. Wait a while, queen said Olfan, who appeared utterly overcome. If I understand you right, your husband lives, and therefore you say that the words which we have spoken and the oaths that we have sworn mean nothing, for you are not my wife. That is so, Olfan. Then, now I am minded to turn wicked and let him die, said the king slowly, for know this, lady, I cannot give you up. Juana grew pale as death, understanding that this man's passions, now that once he had given them way, had passed beyond his control. I cannot give you up, he repeated. Have I not dealt well with you? Did I not say to you, consent or refuse as it shall please you, but having once consented you must not go back upon your words? What have I to do with the reasons that prompted them? My heart heard them and believed them. Queen, you are wed to me. Those oaths that you have sworn may not be broken. It is too late. Now you are mine. Nor can I suffer you to pass from me back to another man, even though he was your husband before me. But the Deliverer, must I then become my husband's murderer? Nay, I will protect him, and, if it may be, find means to send him from the land. Juana stood silent and despairing, and at this moment, Soa, lying on the couch, broke into a shrill and mocking laugh that stung her like a whip and roused her from her lethargy. King, she said, I am at your mercy not through any wanton folly of my own, but because fate has made a sport of me. King, you have been hardly used, and as you say, hitherto you have dealt well with me. Now I pray you let the end be as the beginning was, so that I may always think of you as the noblest among men, except one who died this day to save me. King, you say you love me, Tell me, then, if my life hung upon a word of yours, would that word remain unspoken? Such was my case. I spoke the word, and for one short hour I betrayed you. Will you, whose heart is great, bind me by such an oath as this, an oath wrung from me to save my darling from the power of those dogs? If this is so, then I have erred strangely in my reading of your mind. For till now I have held you to be a man who would perish ere he fell so low as to force a helpless woman to be his wife, one whose crime is that she deceived him to save her husband. She paused, and clasping her hands as though in prayer, looked up into his troubled face with beseeching eyes. Then, as he did not speak, she went on, King, I have one more word to say. You are the strongest, and you can take me. But you cannot hold me, for that hour would be my last, and you but the richer by your broken honor and a dead bride. 
Olvan was about to answer when Soa, fearing lest Juana's pleading should prevail against his passion, broke in, saying, Be not fooled, king, by a woman's pretty speeches, or by her idle threats that she will kill herself. She will not kill herself, I know her well. She loves her life too much, and soon when you are wed she will love you also. "'for it is the nature of us women to worship those who master us. "'Moreover, that man, the Deliverer, is not her husband except in name. "'For months I have lived with them, and I know it. "'Take her, king, take her now, this hour, "'or live to mourn her loss and your own folly all your life's days.' "'I will not answer that slave's falsehoods,' said Juana, "'drawing herself up and speaking proudly. "'And it were more worthy of you not to listen to them, King. "'I have spoken. Now do your will. "'Be great or little, be noble or base, as your nature teaches you.' "'And suddenly she sank to the ground, "'and shaking her long hair about her face and arms, "'she burst into bitter weeping. "'Twice the King glanced at her. "'Then he turned his head as though he dared look no more.' and spoke, keeping his eyes fixed upon the wall. "'Rise, queen,' he said hoarsely, "'and cease your tears, since you are safe from me. "'Now, as always, I live to do your will, "'but I pray you, hide your face from me as much as may be, "'for, lady, my heart is broken with love for you, "'and I cannot bear to look on that which I have lost.' Still sobbing, but filled with admiration and wonder that a savage could be thus generous, Juana rose and began to murmur thanks, while the captains stared, and Soa mocked and cursed them both. Thank me not, he said gently. It seems that you who can read all hearts have read mine aright, or perchance you fashioned it as you would have it be. Now, having done with love, let us to war. Woman, what is the secret of that door? Find it yourself, snarled Soa. It is easy to open when once you know the spring, like a woman's heart, Olfan. Or if you cannot find it, then it can be forced, like a woman's love, Olfan. "'Surely you who are so skilled in the winning of a bride "'need not seek my counsel as to the opening of a door. "'For when I gave it but now upon the first of these matters, "'you would not hearken, Olfan, "'but were melted away by the sight of tears that you should have kissed away.' "'Juana heard, and from that moment made up her mind "'that whatever happened, she had done with Soa. "'Nor was this wonderful.' for few women could have pardoned what she had suffered at her hands. "'Drive the spear into her till she speaks, comrade,' said Olfan. Then, at the touch of steel, Soa gave up mocking and told the secret of the door. I just want to say... Do we not all love Olfan? I mean, what a stand-up guy. Obviously, quite a gorgeous guy, based on Juana's observations. But not only is he wanting to do the right thing, but he obviously, he really, really loves Juana. He wants to make her happy. He is so happy when she marries him, and it just breaks my freaking heart when she has to say, oh, okay, here's why I lied to you. And it's kind of interesting, I think, that although at one point you kind of cringe because Juana says, whoa, for a savage, he was so, you know, noble and all this stuff. But yet, on the other hand, let's look at Olfon and Otter, both very honorable people who you really can admire. And then when we look at Soa and Nam, again, except in a few unfortunate phrases, they're not being presented to us as, oh, it's the typical savage. They are twisted and evil because they as people are twisted and evil for various reasons. 
So these four characters, whether noble or despicable, are being shown to us as real people. And I think in a book like this, that's kind of extraordinary because we expect the racism. Oh, it's there. You know, it's a product of its time. But H. Ryder Haggard took this opportunity to show us these people of this race rising above that also so that we can care about them, so that our hearts are broken along with Olfans. And in so many ways, he's a much better person than anyone else in the book except Francisco. Possibly also Otter, although Otter is more limited by the kind of character he is. So anyway, good on you, H. Ryder Haggard. I tip my hat to you. The other thing I (laughs) just had to laugh at is Juana's fate in this book seems to be continually being married at the threat of violence, as she herself reflects. But it's like every time you turn around, this girl's being forced to be married by somebody who's holding some horrible threat over her head. And uh, that just made me laugh. (laughs) Now, we didn't hear anything about Otter this time, but I assure you, we will be rejoining him very soon. Poor Leonard's just treated like a bag of rocks. He doesn't have any moving action in this thing. I think that will change soon, too. In fact, I believe we just have three episodes left, and then we will be done. I will read a couple of short stories after that. There are a couple that I've been holding on to for the longest time, and I am still thinking about what to read next. As I mentioned, someone mentioned Kidnapped to me. That sent me to reading Northanger Abbey. Do not ask me about the connection between Robert Louis Stevenson and Jane Austen. As far as I know, there isn't one, unless one of them read the other books. And I have no idea what time periods they were, which most people out there are probably clutching their heads in disbelief. But guess what? Didn't look it up. Here you go. Anyway, just in the idea of both those things being classic, wonderful stories, books, really, by people I like and that are not admired that much. Other books seem to get put above those. So I'll be reading both of those at some time or other, just not sure which one I'm going to do first. And if you have any thoughts on that, do let me know. Otherwise, I know that it was impossible to avoid listening to me read that I had a severe summer cold. Ugh. But I soldiered on. (laughs) Hopefully it didn't ruin the reading too much. It sounded okay to me. And I'm now getting better. So now we're just dealing with the fact that it's been a remarkably cool summer, and I'm so happy for that. But what that has done is allow a lot more allergens in the air than we usually get. And so everybody I know is going around blowing their noses and asking, which do you think is the best allergy medicine? Because we have got allergies out the wazoo here, people. Other than that, let's see, I will be discussing Noah, the movie by Darren Aronofsky, who directed it. Next week with Scott at A Good Story is Hard to Find. At SFF Audio recently, I joined in a discussion about a book called Ancillary Justice, which was quite enjoyable, both the book and the discussion. The book tends to be one of those that people either really don't like or like mostly, except for the ending. And I was one of those really liked it except for the ending. And even that I could kind of forgive. So It was interesting to talk about it because as we wrapped up our recording, someone said, oh my gosh, 15 minutes to the Hugo Awards being announced in London. And this book was up for one of those and it won. So you're either happy or unhappy with that. I've seen both reactions. I think it's a fair cop. I don't know about the other books though, but I think it deserved to win some kind of award. It was a pretty amazing book for a first time author, in my opinion. Do not listen to the audio, by the way. Just read it. The audio was terrible. And I guess that's all. I don't really have a lot of news. But there you go. Also on the home front, my oldest daughter 
It's her birthday in a couple days, so I'm wrapping, I'm baking, I'm frosting. Well, I will be soon. Tomorrow, actually. Today I was wrapping presents. And we're just going through that end of the summer stuff, you know, grilling and meeting friends. And I have a lot of friends with young children and their children just went back to school, which I was so glad I didn't have to do anything like that. Just made me even happier. (laughs) Ah, yeah. There are things to enjoy about all phases of life. And one of them is not having to buy school supplies and run around and try to get last minute things that teachers didn't tell you about until the night before they're needed. I, yeah, I'm kind of bitter. (laughs) And you teachers, you don't know who you are. It doesn't matter. A lot of teachers do that. Anyway, all that aside, I hope everybody is having a good end of the summer. And it's not too hot where you are. And if you want to tell me about any of it, you can find the blog for the podcast at hcforgottenclassics.blogspot.com. And you can leave a comment there if you like. You can email me at julie, J-U-L-I-E, at glyphnet, G-L-Y-P-H-N-E-T dot com. Or you can leave me a review at iTunes, where I always notice them and I very much appreciate them. And of course, what I appreciate most is you coming by to listen. Because I wouldn't be reading these things out loud. Yeah, I always say it, but yeah, it's always true. I'm having a great time. And I hope you are too. So thank you very much. Have a great week, everyone. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.